welcome to the latest episode of BAM Weekly, that's Boris and Matt Weekly, where we talk about all things sports and all things wrestling. We're your hosts, I'm Boris, and as always, I am joined by Matt. Bonjour! How's everybody doing out there? We hope you're doing well, Boris. Better late than never. Never better than today. How are you feeling, man? I'm, I'm feeling okay. Feeling okay, all things considered. We'll get to that in a second, but uh, yeah, what a what a beautiful Friday morning. It's weird saying that it's Friday. Usually Friday is my off day from podcasting unless I fill in for someone. But you know what? This was the episode that never wanted to to be. But here we are. We're doing it. We're talking a bunch of things on the sports side. We're going to be talking about Team Canada and how they are dominating, not dominating. But at least on top of the table, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself. But we're going to be talking about Team Canada, CONCACAF, World Cup, inching closer and closer, especially after beating Mexico in the frozen tundra that is Edmonton in what was dubbed the Ice Teca. Also, we're going to be talking about MLB because there were a ton of awards handed out, some to Jays, some to not. We're going to be talking about that. We're also going to be talking about... You know, potential signees and people who have actually signed for the Jays. We're based in Toronto. We focus on the Jays. Get used to it. Um, we're also going to be talking about Cam Newton, NFL, and then Matt went out for once. We're going to be hearing about that. Then on the wrestling <laughs> Join side. Join the world again, Barry. Exactly. Then on the wrestling side, well, another week, another release. WWE does it again. We're going to be talking about that. We're going to be talking about ROH. We're going to be talking about some uh, New Japan lead up into Wrestle Kingdom, the three-night event, not two, three-night event. And then we're going to be talking about full gear. Yes, sir. I'm excited to get to the full gear review. I think that's going to be the main event. Uh, we teased an Eddie Guerrero list, but you know what, Boris? I'm a little underprepared on that. We need to give Eddie Guerrero the respect he deserves. So if and when we do a top 10 Eddie matches, we got to come correct for that one. Yep. So we're, there's a lot to get to. We're going to we're gonna wait uh, this week. Apologize, uh, apologies, everyone, for being late uh, on this episode. We, we were both busy. Uh, Boris, I, I think you have a relatively uh, somewhat clean bill of health. You at least kind of know what's going on, so that's good. Yeah, for the most part, I do. Um, so call me the Kenny Omega of the SNMA crew because somehow I've been, you know, living my life for the past, what, two months. I've been complaining about this pain here and there um, with <laughs> a broken shoulder, fractured shoulder, yeah. fractured clavicle, and broken shoulder cuff, rotator cuff. And you literally, you don't even know how it happened. Nope. No idea. Absolutely no idea. Honestly, like it's, I've had this injury for a really long time, years even, right? Like, um, I've separated my shoulder a few times uh, when I was uh, playing sports, um, but I haven't really played sports since I got all the concussions about like four years ago. I haven't even played soccer really since then. Um, so there's like the most I've done in terms of sports is throwing a baseball, hitting a bat hitting some balls, hitting some dingers, as they say. But outside of that, you know, I haven't really done too much. But, yeah, somehow, here I am with a broken clavicle 
and ripped rotator cuff. So that's going to involve some nuts and screws. Oh, geez. Yes, you're going to go. You're going to have to go under the knife. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, we're just uh, determining timelines and procedure. I got more x-rays done. Oh, my God. Let me tell you this. I was not prepared for some of the positions the x-ray technician was putting me in. (laughs) And then he took the x-rays. Oh, no. <laughs> hey yo! Oh, that's no, good. but seriously, it was like, you know, because they wanted the in the auxiliary view of my shoulder, and that's essentially like on top, right? Like they wanted to get that full view. So in order to right. get that, they just had to like twist and pretzel me, and it was just like, you do know my shoulder is injured, and you are putting my shoulder in a very, <laughs> very uncomfortable position. And he's like, just relax. I'm like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Stretching you out like a young Brian Danielson in there. That's yeah. hilarious. Yeah, it was crazy. Like, it didn't hurt, but it was like, this is not comfortable at all. And then, yeah, they just took a bunch of uh, more x-rays. So let me, okay, so this is the week that was for me. Like, I've been dealing with a lot of stuff. I haven't really talked much about it on these shows, but, like, I've just been super busy. It's been, like, work, personal stuff, injury um, the past few weeks. I haven't stopped, really. Like, it's just been absolutely insane. Um, Nine out of ten times that Matt and I are talking, I'm on the road or, like, to somewhere. Even Jason, like, we have been haven't been able to meet up. Um, We're supposed to meet up for the beer delivery, but we haven't even been able to do that just because it's just been back and forth in so many different places. Um, But, yeah, it's been crazy. Um, But this week, essentially, I got my um, x-rays done on Monday, the first set of x-rays. Then they're like, okay, you need to book a time for the ultra or for the um, ultrasound. They're like, okay, fine. They're like, can you come back too? I'm like, no, I need to work. They're... So they set it up for Thursday. Ended up getting the um, baseline bone density on Wednesday. Tuesday got first set of blood tests. Wednesday bone density. Wednesday got the call saying, well, it might be um, a fracture, but we're not sure. You need to get more uh, tests done. So that's, I yesterday in the morning, went, got the requisition, went and uh, got the x-rays, got the ultrasound, waited around for the results, and that's when they told me pretty much what it was. Uh, just because, you know, they don't, like, at that point, they don't want me, like, you know, injuring myself more. Um, right. But yeah, it was just it was just it's been an absolutely crazy day. And then at night, I did some more stuff. Ended up seeing Jane for a little bit. Um, the lady friend, who lady friend? Oh, I should say that lady friend. <laughs> uh, and yeah, it was gotta just, keep kayfabe around here, Boris. I know, I know. And uh, yeah, it was just like absolutely crazy. It was just just crazy. But it was funny because at one point she's like, "Oh, did you get any updates on on your shoulder?" Like, "Oh yeah." Uh, so then I told her, and she's like. Did I do that to you? I'm like, no, you didn't. <laughs> well, I mean, it's an explanation. It's as good as any. Did you like take a spill like while while drinking in the no, city or anything? No. Like how? No, no possible. This guy does not fall. This guy does not fall. He does not throw up. <laughs> oh, geez. Yeah, that's well, that's good. Cast iron stomach, but not a cast iron clavicle, as it turns out. <laughs> Clearly not. And it's just like it's so weird because, like I said, the. Like, I was going to go. I just haven't had time. But last week, um, like, I was, like, literally feeling my my chest. And it was just, like, there was this huge bump, like, right nah. on 
the shoulder. I'm like, oh, that's not, that's not, that's not. Yeah, that's not right. That's not normal. That can't be good. So, yeah, so there we go. So that's going to be a thing. Uh, What I'm most not even worried about is, you know, I don't know how long I'm going to be, like, in a cast for, right? But I'm just thinking it's my right shoulder. I got to start learning how to do stuff with my left hand. Yes, lots of things. Podcasting, too. especially. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is a hey, saucy oh. episode. A saucy edition of BAM. Uh, yeah, man. Well, you know, heal up. I'm sure, like, if you if you miss a pot or two, that ain't no thing. We'll pick up the slack around here at BAM. I can I can fly the I can fly the plane here for a week or two if need be. Hopefully not crash it directly into a chasm. <laughs> Immediately get us canceled. But yeah. I, if your if your Cody Rhodes takes haven't gotten us canceled, I think we're good. I think we'll make it. <laughs> I think more of my Cora Jade takes haven't gotten us canceled. <laughs> you are, you have some hot ones lately. You are you are the the human hot ones. Uh, so yeah, I went out into the world for the first. I went to my first public event, Boris, in like two years, literally. Like I've been to like. I, you know, like out and about here and there, I've gone to get togethers with friends and family, but I haven't gone to like a, a place where you have to show vaccination and pay to get tickets and such. And yeah, I went to see an AHL game, Toronto Marlies versus Laval Rocket. It was awesome. Great time, buddy. Really cool. Really cool. You sent me some pictures. You had amazing seats, couple rows behind the bench. That's really yeah. awesome. You saw your boy Caulfield going at it. It was the funniest thing, too, because I, I, I think we've all had this experience where you're sitting down, you're having some drinks, you're, you're having a good time, and then you stand up, and all of a sudden you realize, oh my, I'm drunk. This yeah, that's is, a, this that's is a, a Tuesday afternoon. <laughs> it was actually a Wednesday evening, but... Uh, well, for me, yeah, it's Boris, a Tuesday afternoon. That's what yeah, I call no, a I Tuesday afternoon. That's a joke. Because <laughs> I'm implying <laughs> that I drink a lot, so even on the most uncommon of days, I will be drunk to the point when I get up i will be whoa i am drunk yeah That's i was just i was just tagging it i was just tagging the joke buddy just rolling <laughs> rolling along and i'm but still yeah, rolling so- i'm still rolling with it i'm still rolling with it <laughs> toronto uh the marlies were up 5-1 on uh, rocket and then my uh, laval scores uh four in a row including i think the 5-5 goal was scored by cole caulfield nice. and at that point when he tied the game for the dramatic comeback that was when i went from 0 to 60 all of a sudden i'm up i'm yelling i'm pointing out the other two habs fans that i can see and we're all <laughs> screaming and everyone hates me in this section i'm so close to the toronto players they can all hear me it was just like oh man i, I just realized at that moment hey i'm having a lot of fun b i'm quite drunk yeah. and see let's go rocket and then they won in a nine round shootout it was and then immediately cole caulfield got called back up to the montreal Canadiens. so it was the best possible case scenario for an ahl game and we had amazing tickets for free so let me tell hey. you this ahl games marley's games in particular here in toronto tons of fun i don't understand and this is like why we've talked about this i've talked about this with jason many times even on the midweek markout i've talked to you about this i talked to a lot of people out this. It's not a secret. Toronto's a really fickle town when it comes to yes. sports, right? Like front runners. We, yeah, it's it's top tier or nothing, right? It's 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 go big or go home or stay home, I should say, because <laughs> yeah. like you know, it's no secret how Leaf tickets are. 
impossible to get. Even this year, yep. everyone was like, I'm sure there will be many because of your vaccine passport. But no, that's not the case. Um, the reality is that every game is still sold out. But then you go to a Marley's game, and it's what, like, a couple thousand max spread out? Yeah, exactly. But it's nice. It's like it's a good group. It's a loud, uh, you know, passionate group. And uh, yeah, I, the quality of hockey is pretty good. Uh, all these guys are fighting to either get back to the NHL, prove that they deserve to be in the NHL, whatever it might be. And then you see some people like Cole Caulfield who are sent down inexplicably due to mismanagement, but are still able to shine yeah. on that stage. Exactly. You know, and it's like going to Buffalo and watching a Bison's game, right? Like it's it's just so much fun. There's something to be said about the the, the hunt to make it to the top tier, right? The hunt to make it back to the show, the hunt to make it back to the NHL. There's really something to be said about that. And then just like, I find that it's, you know, dare I say more, like it's it's more competitive in that sense. Yeah, well, yeah, it's it's a different style. It's a different kind of competitive. It's like a different thing, but I know exactly what you're saying. Like every game takes... A certain amount, a certain amount of like you know gravitas, a certain weight to it because it is. It could be all these people are fighting for their jobs, fighting for their hockey lives. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, no, dude, that's awesome that you made it out. Awesome that you yeah. finally got reintegrated back into real life society. I'm very, uh, very excited. The final step is uh, indoor comedy shows. I feel like that's coming next, dude. and then I'm gonna get back to performing. Boris, we're all the way back. Almost 85% of the way back, buddy. 85% of the way back. Case numbers are rising. It's 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 an interesting time here. Um, I hope that things kind of stabilize. Um, and uh, yeah, but we'll see what ends up happening. Anyways, when you go to a comedy show, let me know. I need to go holler, holler, ha ha a little bit. You know, it's a, it's yeah. a, yeah, yeah, we got to do that. Um, yeah, man. Yeah. yeah, we should grab some tickets to something at Comedy Bar in the next couple of weeks. I'd be down for that for sure. Yeah, we live literally right down the street from it. So, and I, I, lo- I, I love the fact that we live so close to Comedy Bar. Like, I would just randomly show up there with friends, like, you know, on a on a Sunday evening. And it was, like, a great time. Have you ever had the food from Comedy Bar? No, actually, never once in my I've had numerous of the beers <laughs> that are offered at Comedy Bar. But no, Same I've never here. eaten there. Same here. Uh, I could, yeah, good stories from comedy bar, especially <laughs> after one of Jason's, like a few of Jason's shows. Oh, oh yeah. Anyways, um, their burrito is one of the better burritos in the city. Wow. That's strong coming, words. Yeah. Coming from me, coming from a, like coming from a purebred Latino, one of the <laughs> That's best you- burritos in the city. What an endorsement. I'll definitely have to check one of those out, man. That's a, I would have had no idea. That's great. Yeah. One of my one of my good friends, now divorced, um, <laughs> had his <laughs> engagement at Comedy Bar. Oh, really? Yeah. That's it. That, that's fun. That's yeah. a good place for a party. It was, it was Although, interesting. You, you know, yeah. So, he, he comedy bar usually usually has killers like great comics all the time, but sometimes they can be like weirder shows and hit and miss. So I wonder what he actually saw. I wonder so, what they saw on that night. I can tell you. I can. I mean, let me tell you the story. Now that we have a little <laughs> bit of time, you know, we gotta give the listeners a little extra today. I feel right. Like today might be a bigger, badder, bam. Yes. Um, Super size me. Funny enough. Oh, I'm not gonna say that. <laughs> um, okay. So. Yeah, friend. Okay, so he um, randomly, 
he's like, hey, what are, what are people doing on a Friday, like, on our group chat? And you have to understand, like, my group of core friends, it's like a group of 15, 16 people. It's, it's much too large. It's much too large, too much drama, too many people. It's, 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 it's not like a, a friends where it's a core group of five. It's like fucking 16 people. It's impossible. Anyways, so we all, we're all free. We all make time. And he's like, okay, come to Comedy Bar. Um, I've been wanting to do this for a long time, blah, 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 blah. What he wanted to do for a long time was hire a magician. Oh, okay. Yeah, so this friend, he's super into magic, a little too into magic for my liking sometimes. <laughs> All and right. Hired a magician. So then it's like a bunch of friends are there and really close friends. So, like, you kind of knew what was going to happen, right? But you weren't exactly sure what was going to happen. And, uh, yeah, so in the middle of the performance. And, anyways, I was I was given the information, you know, prior to the night. But I'm just saying this from, like, a from a whatever point of view. So in the middle of the show, magician is doing stuff. He calls up um, my friend and and his girlfriend at the time, and they're doing a trick. And in the middle of the trick, boom, ring pops up, uh, and, he, and, he, and he proposes in the middle of Comedy Bar in front of all of the friends. He rented out this room, hired a magician. That's how he proposed. That's a pretty slick move, but I have one more. I like this is... Did he really like magic, or does she at all care about oh, magic? You know she what I mean? Does not and does did not does not give <laughs> two shits about magic, and that is that... why and that is why this marriage lasted under two years. <laughs> that sounds about right. I think a general rule of thumb is you want to plan the engagement to impress the lady, not yourself. <laughs> You know, you know, Matt, like that is the equivalent, Matt. That is the equivalent <laughs> of me <laughs> proposing to some special lady in the middle of an indie wrestling show. Exactly, exactly <laughs> right. Which would just be absurd. Unless it's oh, unless man. unless it's barber shop chick, it's True. not going to fly well. True. <laughs> oh man that's hilarious yeah maybe you will find your uh your soulmate in an indie wrestling crowd boris who knows life but, goals uh... i will now <laughs> this is it it's gonna happen when i get engaged it will happen in the middle of an indie wrestling show you've heard it here first on bam supersized bam <laughs> that's it supersized bam edition more bam for your that buck. is hilarious i'm actually surprised I'm actually surprised Buddy didn't get a public no. <laughs> like she didn't care about magic at all. You know they went actually, to comedy bar. You know what's funny? Oh, man. After the fact. So even that night, after the fact, she was like, I was tempted to say no because this is stupid. <laughs> oh, that is amazing. That is actually one of the funniest things that uh, ever happened at comedy bar. <laughs> no offense. No to comedy bar like i said they they often have killers up there some great shows all the time but uh that is absolutely fucking hilarious <laughs> it's, it's one of the best things i've ever heard yep yeah no it's, it's honestly it's funny i don't know why just reminiscing about comedy bar that story just popped up it's just like one of the funniest stories and you know what this is the advantage of your friends not giving a crap about any of your podcasts because you can talk about them <laughs> Oh, very good. All right, man. Do you want to get into uh, the in, into business here? 
All right, let's get into business. A first order of business, Team Canada, CONCACAF. Dude, we are so close to qualifying. So close, so close. After eight matches, Canada is at top of the table with four wins, four draws, and the only team with zero losses. Currently, we have 16 points. USA, number two, four wins. Three draws, one losses, one loss, 15 points. Team Mexico, number three, with four wins, two draws, two losses, 14 points. And then Panama rounding out the top four with four wins, two draws, two losses, 14 points. Goal difference makes a difference. That's why Mexico is number three. As it stands today, Canada, USA, Mexico, in the World Cup, Panama in the in the uh, in the qualifier round. Now this is huge. This is by far the like the best. And Conc and uh, FIFA World Cup rankings have come out. Matt, since 1986, we have not been this high. We are at number 40 in the world right now. Awesome, number 40. Crack the top 40. That We did it, Boris. Looks like we made it. That is the highest we've been in my lifetime. Right on. Um, yeah, man, Canada's looking great. What can you say about the Ice Teca, that awesome celebration, people jumping in the snowbanks, Boris. Kyle Laren, now the all-time tied for the all-time international Canadian goal-scoring leader. He did it in about half the games that Dwayne DeRosario did. It's exciting times for Canada's soccer. Every game they play is the is like the best they've ever looked. You know what yeah. I mean? Oh, 100%. Like, they started off a little shaky, a little rocky. But then you look at the stats. Mexico in the first half had zero shots, zero shot attempts, zero shots on net. It's insane how the defense has really just helped. It's insane how, the like, the midfield is just, like, moving the ball so well. And then what can you say about Alfonso Davies? That man is a beast he can run from end to end and just steal the ball without you noticing jonathan david he didn't play too long but he had a great game kyle laren sayuli laren as i like to call him man so good <laughs> he is so good i like i remember seeing him play for orlando and you knew that he was just something something special um atiba hutchison you know legend in the canada uniform some would say one of the best if not the best you know, him and Dwayne De Rosario, just absolute legends. Julian de Guzman. But now this team, just this team, there's something about this team. I don't like I don't know what it is. I legitimately don't know what it is. Obviously, you know, they all play regularly in their top tier clubs. That's a huge thing, right? Um but when they come together, it's just this team, this group of kids, they just want it. They're hungry. Dude, like as and, and 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 a lot of people want to throw the argument that Mexico isn't as strong as they used to be. That doesn't matter. It does matter a little bit, but at the end of the day, this Canada team is just amazing, just absolutely amazing. Um, and it, I love to see this because it looks like you know the possibility of us um, qualifying in the January uh, window is very very high in the january window january 27th we have honduras and then january 30th we have the good old usa yeah so that honduras honduras is in last place in the group they only have three points in eight games it's uh i believe they what, what do they have here 
three draws, right? Yeah, they didn't get yep. a win. They got three draws. So they're, they're winless. I think we should realistically crank Honduras. That would put us in really good shape. Man, very, very exciting. But yeah, that, that American game, when is that? Uh, the 30th, you said, the of 30th. January? Yep. So that's a ways away. But yeah, circle that one on the calendar. That is going to be humongous. Yep, even the 28th is going to be a huge game because if people remember two World Cup qualifying um, stages ago, Honduras, all we needed to do was draw or win against Honduras. It was a huge game, aired on Sportsnet, and we got whooped 8-1. to one. Oof, oof. Depressing times, but we've yeah. come a long way. We've come a long way. Oh, 100%. And that's the thing. Like People don't realize how long, how far we've come. And honestly, MLS has done wonders for the North American game. You know what it is, Matt? It, now kids who play soccer stay playing soccer. The biggest issue that they had for the longest time was when they turned 14, 15, 16, unless they were being signed to a club overseas, they didn't have a future in soccer. But now with MLS, say what you want about MLS, it's professional soccer. You get paid to play top-tier soccer in a, you know in, in one of the major countries. MLS is now turning into the destination for South American players. That's all I wanted from MLS. It's not ever going to compete against the Premiership. It's not going to compete against La Liga. It's not going to compete against the Bundesliga. It's not going to compete against those major Western European leagues. But... We have something special here in MLS. It's becoming the go-to destination for players from all of the Americas. That's all you can ask for because now your American and Canadian kids are playing against really good players, gives them the experience, first-team experience, and then they can go into these qualifiers and look good. And then, you know, the players that shine through, you know, your Alfonso Davies will go play for those amazing players. Western European teams like Alfonso Davies and Bayern Munich, right? It's just a win-win-win-win-win situation at the end of the day for everyone. And while the MLS has been huge, Canada launching the CPL has been just as huge because now locally you have the opportunity to play professionally and then get noticed. You know, the CPL and, and, and Hamilton, the Forge, they're having an incredible run, so much so that they are going to be in the CONCACAF Champions League next year because they made it to the CONCACAF League semifinals. So they've already qualified for the CONCACAF Champions League, and that's huge. That's absolutely huge. They're going to be going up against, you know, the Club Americas. They're going to go up against, you know, the LA Galaxies, the Seattle Sounders. They're going up against these top-tier clubs from CONCACAF. Yeah, man, I, it's it's a very exciting time for soccer in the in the Canadian nation. It's really growing. And you look at the uh, the ratings for the Canada Mexico game this week. It crushed every other sporting uh, broadcast on TV. It was it did really really well. So I, I don't know, man. It's it's a very exciting time. It's like you said, it's a very likable, exciting young team. It's getting uh, fans of all ages back into soccer and there's a reason why yep. it's such a popular sport around the world man it's so easy to play it's so easy to pick up a ball and kick it around exactly. and uh, hopefully hopefully more canadian kids you know uh, just don't poo poo the idea of soccer canadian kids and canadian parents right yep. 
you brought up the ratings. That was going to be the next point. TV ratings for November 16th, which was a Tuesday. Number one was Canada, Mexico with 1.153 million. 1.153 million watch on Sportsnet, dude. That's humongous for like a World Cup qualifier. So imagine if and when they get into the dance. Now, the Leafs Predators were number two with 603,000 on TSN 4. Oilers, Jets, 401,000 on TSN3, Sportsnet West. Flames, Flyers was number four at 167K. And then Edmonton, Toronto Replay, 167K. That's from the CFL. You know what I don't see on this list? I bet I can guess. What's that? NXT. NXT <laughs> wrestling. Did you, do you actually know what they did? Like 10, on that 20, 15K, something like that. I'm pretty sure they did. They averaged 31,000 viewers. Yep. Yep. That That's where Boy, we're at. That is that's where, where we're at. at on that one. That's where we're at. Dude, think of it this way. They're averaging. They're averaging 30,000. When NXT, I don't like talking about numbers, but when NXT talk is on the free feed, we get a percentage of that. Put that in perspective. <laughs> that's hilarious. Oh, man. Well, it is what it is, buddy. I mean, it's not like we can recommend the show. It's not like we could say, hey, you guys, you're screwing up by not watching this. You should be watching. It's uh, it's terrible, unwatchable television. But yeah, soccer, just amazing. It almost <laughs> doubled the Leafs Predators. Like, that is, to me, that is just amazing. That's just amazing. I never would have thought... I would never would have, number one, there's a few things I never would have thought. Number one, never would have thought that soccer is number one in the ratings, almost by double. Number two, I never would have thought that a stadium in Canada would, number A, sell out, and B, sell out to Canadian fans. The amount of times that I've been to national, uh, men's national, women's, the women's is different, but men's national team, and there have been more fans, supporters for the other team. Than for Canada, yeah, yeah, that's depressing. That you never want to be in that crowd at home, but with the away vibes, that's that's a sad, depressing look. Yep. But yeah, man, it, it is. It, it's it's the perfect sport at the perfect time, and everyone loves this snow game too, Boris. Snow games in the NFL always always deliver. Well, they always deliver, but they always draw. I find it's uh, it's intriguing, it's exciting, and uh, yeah, people love a snow game. Oof, let me tell you about snow games. Yeah, they're fun on TV. Being in the crowd, not so much fun. I was at the um, the infamous USA Costa Rica qualifier back in 2013 in Denver. I was in that snowpocalypse. It was insane. And the crazy part is it was beautiful throughout the day, like sunny, beautiful, similar to the weather we're having today. Went up to the mountains, got trashed in half the time because of the altitude. <laughs> like, it's crazy. Um, and then, yeah, all day like just having fun partying beautiful weather but as soon as we boarded the bus to go to the stadium because you know god forbid they build a stadium anywhere near the city in the usa um dude it started getting cloudy it started changing then literally as the game was starting it just started snowing like a mother like it was crazy and then you know we got to the point where like it was like You've seen pictures. You've seen videos. It was just absolute pandemonium. I was literally on the last flight out of Denver the next morning. I am so grateful that we got out. Wow. Yeah, I actually don't remember this game, but I quickly Googled it. March of 2020. 
13, March 22nd, yep. 2013. Yeah, this, they called it the Snow Classico. Yep. And yeah, like look at pictures of this thing. It's crazy. It is a blizzard. That's I was awesome. There. I have pictures. Wow. I was there. It's crazy because like there's literally a picture of me and my buddy. Like and we're just drenched in snow because it was like thick, fluffy snow that was like really coming down at one point. Right. And these poor guys running around like shirt, T-shirt, shorts. That's crazy, man. And that I, is like, actually insane. And the the beer prices. You know what they were selling beer for at that game? <laughs> oh, my. What's that? Two beers for five dollars. <laughs> This was in Denver yep. in 2013? Yep. Good heavens. Yep. Two beers. Well, it'll keep you warm at least, Boris. I don't even know what I was feeling at that point. It was just, it was honestly, it was just crazy, crazy fun game. Um, and it, it's honestly, it's a game that I'm never going to forget, ever. I can be senile on my deathbed, and I'm not going to forget that game, I'm sure. <laughs> I, I, could, I could see why. Not forget that cold anyway. You probably weren't dressed for it. Oh, I wasn't. I wasn't. It was just so freaking weird. Um, all right, let's move on. MLB, congratulations to the Blue Jays' own Robbie Ray on winning your first Cy Young on fourth Blue Jay to win a Cy Young. Congrats, buddy boy. Yeah, and uh, I thought it was going to be closer than it was. Robbie Ray received 29 out of 30 first-placed votes for the Cy Young. The only other pitcher to get a first-place vote was Garrett Cole, who finished second in the voting. Uh, Lance Lynn finished third uh, from the Chicago White Sox. I'll just finish off the top five here. Nathan Eovaldi finished fourth, and Carlos Rodon from the White Sox also finished fifth in Cy Young voting. So, yeah, uh, Robbie Ray in, in a little bit of a landslide, Boris. Kind of shocking. Yeah, yeah, it was crazy. It was absolutely I'm, – I'm, I'm shocked that it was like that – uh, much of a landslide, but then when you actually take a look at the numbers, if he didn't win, it would have been the fix of 2021 because he yeah. led in almost everything except wins. I I think he's a well deserved winner. I think he was the best pitcher, but yeah, it's just it's just crazy to see him actually get the the respect that he deserved over Garrett Cole because he's a big name New York Yankee. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's uh. It's just crazy, man. It's absolutely crazy. It's just, it's like, I can't, uh, I'm happy for him. I'm happy for him. I really freaking am so happy, but you know, it's, 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 you're looking at the awards that this team is getting and it's just like, makes you feel so good. But then you remember about the two big names that we have to resign. And like I've been saying for months, it's one or the other. I will be shocked if we sign both. Feels good until you remember he's a free agent. It, it's kind of looking more and more like we may get neither just because they're going to both get fat contracts. But yeah, I'm, I'm definitely worried about re-signing Robbie Ray, worried about re-signing Marcus Simeon, who we'll touch on in a little bit. But before we get off the Cy Young topic, I also wanted to read the National League uh, top five and winners. So Corbin Burns from Milwaukee wins the National League Cy Young, but this was very, very close. He got 12 first place votes. Zach Wheeler from Philadelphia finished second. He also got 12 first place votes. So it was super, super close. Came down to who had him second, third, fourth, fifth, etc. Max Scherzer, who split time between the Nationals and Dodgers this year, finished third, and he got the rest of the first place votes there. He got six. Uh, coming in fourth for the Dodgers, your boy, Walker Bueller, and coming in fifth, Brandon Woodruff from the Milwaukee Brewers. Yep, yep. 
Yep, 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 yep. Um, Corbin Burns. Good, good, good on him. That's really cool. Um, I, and I think the race that everyone was thinking, but we're going to touch on the NL first. So congratulations, Bryce Harper, uh, fifth player to earn MVP honors with two teams. Yeah, very interesting. Yeah, both in the same division, too, which doesn't happen too often. So, yeah, Bryce Harper uh, wins 17 first-place votes. We had Juan Soto finishing second with six first-place votes. Fernando Tatis Jr. finishing third, which is pretty impressive considering he played two different positions and missed a lot of time. But he still got third in MVP voting, so that's good. Two first-place votes. Brandon Crawford in fourth with four first place votes, but less uh, ballots and such. And in fifth splitting time between Washington and LA was Trey Turner, who I think actually probably would have been third or second on my ballot. Trey Turner was awesome this year. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. He, he did some amazing stuff. Um, but uh, I don't know. It just, I, I always feel like he gets overlooked in terms of just, of just being a pure great player. And then the race that everyone was really talking about was the AL. It, no surprise here, but at the same time, you know, I kind of feel that it was a much bigger blowout than it should have been. It was unanimous, Boris. 30 out of 30 first place votes for Shohei Otani to be the American League MVP. Vladimir Guerrero finished second. Uh, Marcus Simeon of the Blue Jays finished third. Aaron Judge finished fourth, which to me is a little high, but he did have an awesome season. And then Carlos Correa finished fifth for the Houston Astros yeah. in AL MVP voting. So, yeah, obviously, as Blue Jays fans, we wanted to say, like, ah, you know, cast someone someone throw Vladdy a shout, get him one vote. But, man, Shohei Otani had the best two-way season uh, that okay, anyone's uh, ever had. Here's the thing, he's doing, he's doing okay. things I haven't seen in 100 years. You're correct. We haven't seen this since Babe Ruth a two-way player, but outside of his home run numbers, he was good at best. But because he was a two-way player, he won the MVP, which I kind of find a little iffy at the end of the day. Ah, I don't know. I can squint a little bit and see that argument, but I disagree with you. I, I As much as I love Vladdy, don't get me wrong, I have a Vladimir Guerrero t-shirt. I'm sure a lot of people in Toronto do. I don't think it was, I think, I, I as good a season as Vladdy had, and as much as he would have been MVP in seven or eight years out of ten, I still kind of think that unanimous was the right decision. I still think Otani was the clear most valuable player in the American League. I don't know. I just, like, for me, they're, they're, and, and, and again, you know, I, I, there's just, I don't know, there, there's a lot, I'm not disagreeing with it, but I still think that more uh, first place votes should have gone to Vladimir Guerrero. I don't think it was a unanimous, I clearly don't think that. Um, there, there's, I don't know, like I said, batting 257, 46 home runs, 100 RBIs, 103 runs, uh, 26 stolen bases, Not and then on the other side, he went 9-2 and two with a 318 ERA, 156 Ks, and 130 and one-third innings. Um, great numbers, like, at the end of the day, it's yeah, because, he was a two, because he was a two-way player. That's all that gave him this, right? But, again, like I've always said, is he plays for the Angels, you know? Guerrero was literally fighting for a playoff spot up until the final day, and he was still cracking it. 
I wonder if it would have been closer if the Jays actually had gotten into the playoffs. I wonder how much that mattered. I, I bet it did. I but, bet it uh, did. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. Yep. I, I can see what you're. I can see what you're saying, but I disagree. Also, I think we should point out that Bobichet received votes on four different ballots. Robbie Ray got a vote for MVP, and uh, T. Oscar Hernandez showed up on a, a ballot as well. So we had Jays all over the field here. Bobichet was as high as twelfth in MVP voting this year. Pretty cool. Yeah. Exactly. It's absolutely. It's fantastic. Like I said, I'm so happy for the. Uh, for the Jays, you know, Gold Glove Award winners, Marcus Simeon got one. Um, you know, Silver Slug, we had Vladimir Guerrero, Marcus Simeon, uh, Teoscar Hernandez. It's, like, it's just fantastic here. Like, it just, I absolutely love seeing this. But, you know, let's see what happens with Simeon. Let's see what happens with Robbie Ray. You know, it's, it's interesting times here. Um, you know, I think that overall, like, if you take a look at, and we're going to take a closer look at this, I think, in the next couple weeks, we should take a look at top free agents for various yeah. positions. We, we sort of glossed over it already, but yeah, in, in a week or two, we'll do a proper breakdown, like by position, maybe top four or five, top 10 starters. We'll definitely do a proper breakdown. But yeah, the rumors right now are that Simeon and Los Angeles Angels, your boys, your team, are uh, are looking like suitors here, and Robbie Ray still playing the field. There's still a chance that Toronto gets Robbie Ray. I think Simeon's long gone. I think he's out. Oh, for sure. I, I think so, too. And it's just, it's a shame. Like, it kind of sucks. But uh, that's that's business. Having said that, you know, people love shitting on this, uh, on the powers that be at the Jays, Shapiro, and Atkins. That they don't give anything back to the Jays. They don't know how to sign players. Well, we made a huge signing this week. In my opinion, huge signing. Matt, talk about it. Jose Barrios, Boris, he's sticking around. And uh, yeah, it's absolutely necessary. That's our like number number two, number three pitcher for a long time. He's borderline ace level. I think we still, if we can keep Robbie Ray, and now we have Ray one, Barrios two, Ryu three, we're looking pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, that would be that. Oof, that looks crazy. Seven year, $131 million contract opt out after five years so we have them at least five years yeah and that should be our contending window like for the next five years i think jays fans should expect them to try to win the world series every single year and hopefully add make intelligent moves like closer to the 1992 93 jays than like the uh 1994 to 2014 jays yeah pretty much pretty much it's oh, damn you jays but yeah it's going it's shaping up to be a very very interesting offseason i'm super excited and we're going to be talking a lot of baseball in the offseason because i can see things really changing we know that there's labor talks happening as well we'll be talking about that i think after the gm meetings um this week we're gonna get a clearer picture as to what's going on in the labor talks free agency yeah we're in the offseason baby but there's always a lot to talk about in the MLB. Yes, sir. Yep. It's uh, very interesting. And speaking of things to talk about, speaking of very interesting, Cam Newton, baby, he rode in on his high horse, and he is back in the National Football League in a big way. He has taken over the Panthers franchise instantly. So, if you were the GM of Carolina Panthers, how do you expect to still be hired in a few weeks? 
Yeah, it's it's true. Well, I mean, if they squeak into the playoffs, you know, it'll be it, it, he'll keep his job. But it is like, yeah, they they did. Uh, they worked pretty hard to find a replacement for Cam Newton, only for him to just show up, uh, come back in through the back door, and uh, take this show on the road again. Man, it's it's really I I love it because as I'm sure I, and any football fan will know, but if you're not as familiar with the NFL, Cam Newton, longtime Carolina Panthers, Carolina Panthers legend, probably the greatest player in Panthers history, I would say. If not him, Luke Keekley is also on the list. They have some they have some names. But I don't think he's the best player in Panthers history. His coach for basically the entire time he was on Carolina was Ron Rivera, who now coaches the Washington professional football team. And Boris, wouldn't you know it, Washington is in Carolina this week. It's the Cam Newton Revenge Bowl right out of the gate. Cam Newton's first start with the Panthers is against his former coach, a man who didn't want him anymore, who casted him aside. I'm actually so excited to watch a Washington versus Carolina game. Yeah. That's I, I I never thought I would say that to be honest, but here we are, Washington, Carolina. <laughs> I'm excited. Yeah, so of course I uh, in uh, I'm already out on fantasy football this week because uh, I'm playing my my good friend Kyle and he started the Patriots defense and they played the god awful dog shit Atlanta Falcons last night and uh, shut them out twenty five nothing. So uh, screw you, Matt Ryan, and screw you, Kyle. <laughs> hilarious no but jesus christ man how the falcons how do you how do you not score a point against the patriots like come on how do you get shut out in the nfl belichick's a good coach pats have a good defense and matt ryan is at the end of his career it's it's over for him he is he is no longer a, a nfl quality quarterback i don't think yep um taking a look at the week 11 schedule there's no game that outside of the Washington football team versus Carolina Panthers game. There's not a um, a game that's jumping at me. But before we talk about that, dude, we got to talk about week 10. Week 10 was crazy. Number one, the Dolphins back-to-back wins. Who would have thought? Yeah, baby, we're back. Sure. It's, it's all Finkel all the time around here. The what? Dolphins are, and they're they're going for three because they're going to crank the Jets this week. I'm hoping Joe I'm hoping. Flacco I'm and hoping. the New York Jets. I'm hoping, but yeah, it was just a very weird week in the NFL yet again. Like some of these uh, some of these games. Number one, the Rams. Whew, they better start winning. Yeah, that's weird. The Rams. Yeah, well, I heard a good breakdown of why the Rams lost. Apparently, uh, and this is again, this is they not suck. an original thought. Well, on paper, though, they I think you would say they have the best roster on paper in the NFL. I, I, I guess the problem is that they're not playing physical. They're not making their tackles. They're being bullied around. The receivers are quote-unquote soft. Matt Stafford doesn't like getting hit at this advanced age. I think it's... Uh, and again, like I'm not watching every Rams game. I heard this said, but apparently the, the the book on the Rams is that they're a soft prima donna, pretty boy type of team, Boris. They're getting um, slapped in the mouth. Here's the thing. It you know, I'm not shocked about this. If you look at the on paper, they have star after star after star after star. But we all know what happens when you bring a bunch of stars together in certain sports, right? Like it just it just doesn't work. Um, this isn't LeBron James getting his buddies to play, right? This is literally a GM 
playing fantasy football GM mode, trying to get the best players of the best teams, and they're not technically always going to gel. And because they're all stars, you're going to get that soft style of play. And you can have that soft style of play from one or two players, but when your entire team is playing soft, guess what's going to happen? You're going to get beat by the San Francisco 49ers on Monday night, 31-10. to 10. Right, exactly. And I, I, I wouldn't write the book on the Rams yet. I think we're still, it's not even, it's not even American Thanksgiving. The season's far from over, but uh, yeah, man, I, it's definitely time to worry about the Rams. It is certainly far past the time to worry about them. I think, you know, but, but like, just like, okay, the Kansas city chiefs, the chiefs looked like garbage for the first little bit of the season. But last week they beat the Raiders 41 to 14. And it's like, uh Oh, here comes KC. Like perhaps we were too quick to write them off. So let's just not write off these Rams yet. Let's yeah. just, let's just keep it, keep in mind that they have an insane amount of talent. Yeah. And then a week after beating the Cowboys, the Broncos lost 30 to 13 to the Eagles. Exactly. Football, she is a harsh motherfucker, Boris, to quote old school. <laughs> yep. Oh, 1,000%. Oh, yeah. Um, just, oh, man. This is going to be such a weird week uh, for football. But, you know, I guess, should we talk about the Thanksgiving games as well? Because the games kind of are this week-ish. We have the Bears yeah, guess- and the Lions, and then we have the Raiders and the Cowboys, and then we also have the Bills and the Saints. Yeah, that'll be fun. Yeah, we might actually uh, be recording in the middle of those Thanksgiving games. Next week's BAM is probably going to come at you while watching these Thanksgiving games, I think. Uh, well, we need to talk about that because it is my birthday on <laughs> Wednesday. So let's just... Oh, uh, word! Let's, uh, let's, let's, <laughs> we need to talk about our, our recording <laughs> schedule offline. Very good. Well, happy almost birthday, buddy. Yeah, we'll definitely do that. We did miss one game. Cowboys versus yeah. Chiefs. That's that's the main event this week. 4:25 p.m. Eastern. Dak Prescott versus Pat Mahomes. That's that's your marquee main event mustard right there, buddy. Yeah, hundred percent. All right, man. Well, that is the week in sports, and from the eyes of Boris and Matt, I guess it's time that we jump into the wrestling section. And unfortunately, 13 days after the last, or sorry, 14 days, a week. After the last round of releases, WWE does it again. Do they you know that re- they have cut 80, eight zero performers in 2021? Yes. 80. Yes, 80. 80. So That tells you two things. That tells you two things. One, they're ruthless and they don't give a shit about any human being. But two, boy, that roster was way too bloated. They, if, if they could, the fact that they could lose eighty bodies and not bat an eyelash is pretty stunning, man. You know, so yes, yes. Let's put a pin on that conversation for one second. All right. So on Thursday night, it was reported from Fightful that WWE has released John Morrison, Tegan Knox, Drake Maverick, Shane Thorne, Jackson Riker, top. Dala, Ashanti, the Adonis, and Isaiah Swerve. Scott, Matt, what's your initial reaction looking at this list? Uh, my initial reaction is I know AEW is bloated and also they have a lot of people on the roster, but they need to sign Hit Row right away or at least Swerve, at least sign Isaiah Swerve Scott immediately. Um, oh, I thought you were going to say sign Jackson Raker. <laughs> 
Could you imagine throwing him into the AEW locker room? I was not going to say that. Uh, you know yeah, what, Jackson? Man, just, I, I will be shocked if Jackson Riker doesn't end up in NWA. <laughs> That's certainly his destination. Gunner. Uh, <laughs> yes. Um, man, it's just you, it, Hit Row you debuted in NXT TV May 11th, 2021. May 11th. They were dubbed Hit Row. You know what shocks me the most and hurts me in my balls, my cojones, <laughs> is the fact that War Games hasn't even happened yet. War Games is in a week and a half, two weeks and a half, and we still, we were pegging Legado del Fantasma and Hit Row for that match just um, two months ago. It, it would have been, I think it would have been an awesome match. The first ever mixed war games. I think they could have even hit B-Fab and Electra pretty well in that match. I think it could have been really good. And they've already fired Hit Row. Hit Row should have never been called up. Not because they weren't bad. But they just weren't ready. Hit Row should still be cool heels in NXT. The fact that they got turned babyface, called up, and fired. Fired already. It's completely fucking asinine. Right. Swerve Scott especially, man. Swerve Scott is like over six feet. Over 200 pounds, I believe. He's like a big enough guy. Uh... The fact that he's like 30 or 31, I don't think he's very old. It's just crazy. They don't give these people chances anymore. They don't even give them a chance. And if you're a fan, if you're a young fan, how could you possibly invest in any character? How could you possibly invest in any of the young up-and-coming wrestlers? Because they're just getting fired like they're just getting fired like clockwork every couple weeks. Yeah, literally every couple weeks. I can't believe this is happening. Like literally two weeks ago. We were talking about this on the Smack Daddy's podcast. Like, it's just absolutely crazy to think that here we go another round. And like I say, it's just turning into that meme. Here we go again, right? Like, it's just like, it, it is, it's absolutely ridiculous. Um, you know, the fact that they got rid of Top Dollar. Like, this is a guy that looks like he could fit into the mold. Like, this is this just goes to show you that it's like, you know, these corporate cuts. All this, That's all this is. They're just literally eliminating numbers off of a spreadsheet, and that's it. They're not looking at talent. They're not looking at look. They're not looking at much. Because when you get rid of people like Bronson Reed, now Jonah in New Japan, when you get rid of Top Dollar, when you get rid of Braun Strowman, when you get rid of these people who you think would fit, Karrion Cross, Karrion Cross, these people who you think would fit the WWE mold, it just doesn't make sense from any point of view. Outside of the fact that it's spreadsheet. They're just numbers on a spreadsheet. There's one thing. There's another thing that they all have in common. Every one of those names that you just said. Triple H guys. I was literally going to go there. Triple H started their push. Triple H built their characters. And we are, we've seen that everything that he's touched has been like taken away from WWE, man. That's why when like people, it, it's a it's a popular talking point on the internet to be like, well, don't blame like it's all Vince. It's always Vince. Like you can't blame Bruce Pritchard. You can't blame Nick Khan. Vince makes the final decision, which is true. Vince does make the final decision, but I think it's very clear that someone has Vince's ear, and they are systematically dismantling what Triple H brought to the table. I think that's visibly clear. Like the evidence is in front of your face. Outside and- of John Morrison, 
which I can see asked to leave because of Frankie Monet or other yeah. reasons. You know, Tegan Knox, Drake Maverick, Shane Thorne, Jackson Riker, Top Dollar, or all of Hit Row, all Triple H, Uncle H guys. And like um, you said before, Jonah, Jonah Rock, Carrion uh, Cross, like so many, Keith Lee. So many of these guys. I'm very, very glad that Pete Dunn has apparently put pen to paper on a contract, which you'd have to assume has a no-cut clause, because I think Pete Dunn would be gone in, in one of these batches of releases already. But, uh, yeah, man, you just have to wonder, like, who is left, who is a, quote, Triple H guy, and where will they be in five to six months? Gargano and Champa. Yeah. Although I, I think Chapa, he might be an NXT 2.0 guy at this point as well. It seems like he's doing everything that they want in that brand. But yeah, who knows, man? Who knows? It's just, it's very, very sad. Like 80 performers, 80 people who have like families who were relying on this job for their, you know, to, to feed themselves and people they care about and to just be cut so like brazenly while record profits are being made it's pretty gross like it's pretty pretty disgusting i'm very glad and i i I like that we have this bam thing going we don't have to watch as much main roster if not for nxt 2.0 i probably wouldn't watch any wwe over the next couple months like survivor series looks like shit this they're treating their uh wrestlers like shit i'm just over it i'm over the stupid fucking company right now no, hundred percent. I hundred percent agree with you. Like it's it's crazy. I'm seeing the same tactics that you know other corporations do, um, and that's the unfortunate part. Like it just this is now. It's just like I just don't get it. And I like m- every couple weeks, I'm more and more convinced that we are priming for a sale. That makes sense. That makes the most sense. Uh, other than like some weird conspiracy theory, which actually seems to be playing out where they want to expunge Triple H from all WWE uh, memory. Man. I think that that has to be the explanation. Man, honestly, 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 <sighs> Triple H, man, Uncle H, I feel for that man right now. Like, you, you got to feel sorry for him. Man, oh, man, I want to be at that Thanksgiving dinner next week. <laughs> Could you imagine? I just wonder what his future is. Is he just going to go around recruiting for NXT 2.0? Or is he this man going to leave the company and try to start his own thing? Honestly, like we've laughed and scoffed about the idea of him starting his own thing, right? But the more I see this, the more I can honestly see him starting like just an indie fed or something. And, you know, and, and having his fun that way. Bye. The name NWA from Billy Corgan, Triple H, do it. That that, that he you grew up watching NWA wrestling, not WWE. Maybe that is the long term uh, Triple H uh, destiny. We've joked about this. What if Triple H just ends up like just selling off all his stock, borrowing some money from his wife for God knows what, and buying ROH brand? That would be very interesting too. Ring of Honor. Paul Levesque is all elite. We've seen that meme a lot. Who knows what's going to happen? But I, I really think, like, unless something changes and he gets a vote of confidence from Vince McMahon, I don't see how he comes back. You know what I mean? Like, how do you how do you tuck tail and come back to this company now, like, after this? Like, you, you don't. Like, seriously, you, you absolutely don't. Um, you know, he's outside of them publicly stating that they blame him for for NXT's loss against AEW, which is ridiculous in all fronts. 
thinking that, um, how, how do you come back? Like, just, like, the optics of everything is just so bad right now. WWE is just like, I just don't understand this company, man. I really don't understand this company. I don't understand what they're doing. I don't understand where they're going. I don't understand so much of this company because we have this conversation on Tuesday that if the presentation of NXT 2.0 is the future of WWE, holy shit, I don't know. Yeah, man. Yeah, you're exactly right. Like, if that's what they think people want, well, like the ratings are dwindling every week. Like, it's pretty clear it's not what people want. Like, look at the reaction online. How many people out there are saying, oh, yeah, I love this new direction of NXT. It's so much better than it used to be, right? Yeah. Like, I don't get it at all. I don't understand anything they're doing. And, like, you got to know that unless you have it in writing on your contract that they can't cut you early, you're pretty much, like, just the contract isn't worth the paper it's printed on. Like, you have no idea. You have no job security. It's so it's such a toxic thing, it seems. Yeah, it's, it's, it is super toxic. And then on the flip side, you have Sammy Guevara versus Jay Lethal main events. Exactly right, man. You have like the young pillars. You have people like Dante and Martin actually getting time on AEW TV. Uh, you also have your Kip Sabians and your Joey Janellas, who I'm sure want some time for themselves and those people as well. It's a, there are problems in AEW, but not like this, not like WWE right now. Like uh, there it's, are problems yeah. in AEW. Like let's let's face it, that roster is bloated. There's people who deserve time who aren't getting time, even on Dark and Dark Elevation, Elevation and Rampage. There's people who aren't getting TV time, and I'm sure that there's, you know, they're going to have issues on their own, but it's not going to be issues to this extent. Matt, I have a question for you. With what WWE's direction in essentially ignoring the entire wrestling world and trying to create their own people, wrestlers, I, don't even, I barely want to call them wrestlers, sports entertainers, um, do you think that WWE is in a position or want to be in a position to try to uh, get people from AEW when their contracts are up because the first slew of contracts are coming up. Yeah, well, we even heard MJF say in these words, he's the man who's going to start a bidding war in 2024. Yeah, I think that's a shoot. I think that's for real. He's actually for sure going to do that. I just, I don't know who on the AEW roster WWE would want and would use. Honestly, like maybe they would take back a Punk or a Danielson if it came to it. But like, I don't think they'd do anything with the Bucks or Kenny Omega. I don't think that they would do anything with like Darby Allen. MJF is really the only one. I yep. think he's the only one. Agreed. Agreed 100% with you on that. Um, that's so sad that that's, that's honestly where we're at at this point with this company. It's just like, I don't know. I honestly don't know. I don't know. It scares me. And I hate to see this company. Like, let's be honest. We all, most of us grew up watching WWE first or WWE at some point. And it just sucks to see them just doing this. Like we're getting like near, I don't know. I don't even know how to properly put this but are we getting to the corporate disaster that was warner brothers uh turner wcw late 99 maybe yeah i don't know I, I, that's above my pay grade i don't think the actual tv show as bad as wwe programming is 
I don't think it's even close to as bad as like WCW 1999-2000 because we're talking about like numerous like kidnappings, thinly veiled rape threats. We're talking about racism and sexism and disgusting things every single week. And at least WWE still somewhat tries to be PG. It's often terrible, but it's not like disgusting. You know what I mean? It's not like vile and racist. So it's still a little better than WCW 99, 2000, but the fact that it's even comparable is fucking sad. Yeah, exactly. Oh man. Anyways, uh, let's see what happens. Let's see if we have to talk about more cuts in for in a fortnight. Yeah, man. It, it, it's a very small, uh, you know, thing in this whole grand scheme, but yeah, you got to feel bad for the makers of WWE 2K22 because how many people have they just gone control alt delete? Like, don't get out. Like, your entire folder is gone. 80 wrestlers released this year, man. 80. Yeah, that's to me, that's just crazy. 80 people, 80 people looking for jobs. And the sad part is, is now with ROH. You know, leaving the fold Christmas weekend, like we're at the point where it's just like, you know, your options are honestly limited as a professional wrestler. If 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 the independent scene isn't your cup of tea. Yeah, you're completely right. Absolutely. Jobs are filling. Spots are uh, drying up. Yeah. And let's be honest, how many people are going to go to an NWA, right? Like, no. maybe no. Jackson Riker, maybe Jackson Riker. I will. I will be shocked. If he doesn't show up, do you know that there is an NWA pay-per-view uh, the night before NXT 2.0 War Games? Really? December the 4th? No, I actually have not uh, heard one word about that, to be completely honest. Ever since the, uh, yeah, ever since NWA 73 and the whole, like, uh, championship series thing, I've been pretty out. Do you know what, obviously, this is more of a rhetorical question. Matt, do you know what the main event of the next NWA pay-per-view is? Uh, Trevor Murdoch versus Tyrus. Oh, even worse. Even worse? No, there's no way. There's no one worse than Tyrus. Who is it? Who could it be? Mike Knox. <laughs> Mike Knox? So he the lives? pay-per-view. Pay-per-view main event of NWA is an opening curtain jerker dark match of Raw 2010. <laughs> oh my God. I, I'm surprised that Mike Knox is still wrestling. There he is. Look at him. <laughs> I just Googled him and he's alive. He is a living, breathing human. Well, there you go. NWA, hard times too. It is certainly hard times for the NWA <laughs> if that's their fucking main event. <laughs> and we're going to be covering it on BAM. Woo! God bless oh, that weekend on the Saturday NWA on the Sunday NXT. That might be when I quit wrestling. <laughs> we don't have to watch this NWA one. You will we'll talk about that. I'm not sure if I'm gonna. I, maybe I'll do something else. Maybe I'll whip up a top ten list. <laughs> oh, we're watching NWA. Anyways, let's move on. <laughs> let's talk some Ring of Honor as we inch closer and closer to the end of an era, as they're calling it. Their special um, show that aired on Honor Club, Honor for All, they finally said on TV the end of an era. And it's so sad 
actually seeing this. So I'm going to talk about two things about Ring of Honor. That's their TV and this Honor for All special. Let's get right to it. So on ROH TV, first match of the night was Beer City Bruiser versus the ageless one, Caprice Coleman. Beer City Bruiser says, I'm not wrestling you. You're going to have to fight someone. And if you beat this person, then you can get a shot at me. He brings out Ken Dixon. Um, Caprice Coleman ends up winning by DQ. This match had not much to it. So we'll see uh, if, uh, obviously, this match will happen, probably at final battle. But we'll see what ends up happening and what the buildup continues to be. I'm going to have to Mendoza line this just because... You know, they they, they, they they advertised one match, moved it to another sh much shittier match, and didn't really give this match too much time. So I'm going to have to give this one two and a half handshakes out of five. Not fair enough. Yeah, sounds like a plan. Um, Yeah, go through those shows, and I will load up the full gear card as well. We'll talk about that briefly. Sorry, not full gear. Final battle card as well. We'll talk about that briefly. Yep. Very good. All right. All right. And then after the match, uh, the bouncers beat up Coleman. All right, they're doing some funny stuff with Flip Gordon. Essentially, PJ Black is medicating him, giving him <laughs> some weird, weird dr drinks and stuff. Nothing, you know, no, 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 not nothing to Vince Russo 2000, but it's just interesting stuff. So Flip Gordon is like showing up in different characters every week. This week he shows up in a full suit because he says this is professional wrestling. I love it. That's good. He's one of the greats in ROH. One of the greats. Yeah. Uh, then Black asks Gordon if he wants the red or the blue tablet, you know, referring to tablet of paper, but based off the red bill or, or blue bill memes, you know, the whole Matrix thing. It's kind of funny. Anyways, so Flip Gordon, PJ Black, face my favorite wrestlers, you know who, the original kingdom. <laughs> the Boris boys, the original boys, Matt Taven and uh, Bennett, Mike Bennett. Yep. Uh, this match was pretty fun. This match was pretty good. All Flip Gordon, all PJ Black, thankfully. Uh, but they didn't win. Original Kingdom ends up winning. This match, once again, I'm going to have to Mendoza line this match. It just was eh, at best. The main event was the six-man tag team match, The Righteous, Vita Von with Vita Von Starr versus The Foundation members, Jonathan Gresham, Rhett Titus, and Tracy Williams. Nice. Uh, Jay Sounds Lethal like a solid... was on TV, but he was kind of in the background. Righteous ends up winning in a half-decent match. I'm going to give this one three and a quarter handshakes out of five. Nice, Boris. Uh, so, best match on the show. Um, do you know, like, their taping schedule? Have they taped more than this? Was this the last ever appearance of Jay Lethal on Ring of Honor TV? Quite possibly. Quite possibly. More than likely, because he wasn't at this Honor for All show. Right. Oh, well, that's uh, quite the trivia note for this for this strange six-man tag. The great Jay Lethal makes his final appearance. Yep. All right, let's talk about our... The Honor for All special, which aired on Sunday, November the 14th. Ian Riccoboni, Caprice Coleman were commentators. The first match was a pure rules match. Tracy Williams versus Taylor Rust. Brian Johnson joined Riccoboni and Coleman on commentary. 
Now, what's interesting is this is where it was obvious that Jay Lethal was gone because um, Trace uh, Josh Woods introduced Tracy Williams out to the ring, similar to how Jay Lethal would all of the foundation members. So there you go. No more Jay Lethal, at least for this show. Uh, this match was a lot of fun, a lot of back and forth, pure rules. You know, the rope breaks and all. Taylor Rust wins by submission at 1147. Uh, this was actually a pretty good match. I'm going to have to give this match three and a half handshakes out of five. Nice. Taylor Rust doing business in NXT, getting W's. He was the one who uh, beat Jake Atlas, shockingly. Yep. Exactly. Ring of Honor, you said NXT. Ah, <laughs> apologies. Yeah, it was the N- NXT Invitational, if you remember. Yeah, yes, yes, that's I got it. I still got it stuck in my head, that yeah. Taylor. Exactly, Rock. I know exactly, that's why you said NXT. Anyways, so this is after the match, it was, the, like I, I, I said in my ROH report for Slam Wrestling at SlamWrestling.net, um, this was a bittersweet moment because this is when Ian Riccoboni and Caprice Coleman talked about the end of an era. They acknowledged the retooling that's going to happen in the first quarter of 2022, and they mentioned that final battle will be the end of an era, but we are building up to a TV show Christmas weekend. We are building up to two championship matches on that show, and I'm going to assume that it's going to be a two-match show with one match being the women's world title match and the other match being the men's world title match. But we'll touch that on that in a couple seconds. Second match of this Honor for All card was a four-corner survival match. Women's match, Hall of Dead, Vita Von Starr, Quinn McKay, Trish Dora. This is now a number one contenders match for the ROH Women's Championship. And this match will happen at that final TV show. So this match was fun. Uh, Hall of Dead won this match at 1353. Your typical survivor match, survival match. Uh, everyone gets their shining moment, um, tagging in and tagging out. This was pretty good. This was pretty good. Hall of Dead ended up winning with a darkness falls. And now she is the number one contender to the ROH Women's Championship. So she will face most likely Roxy on Christmas weekend. Yeah, I would be very shocked if Roxy dropped the ROH women's title. I think you're right about that. Uh, yeah, interesting. Yeah, um, I would give this match three handshakes out of five. It was entertaining. It was entertaining enough. All right, next match was for the GCW Tag Team Championship, the Briscoes, Mark and Jay, versus the second gear crew, AJ Gray versus Effie. Interesting match. Uh, this match didn't go too far. Only went 8 minutes, 34 seconds. Briscoes retain. After the Briscoes retain, the commentators mentioned that the Briscoes will likely defend their GCW titles at the Hammerstein Ballroom Show. And then they also mentioned how the Briscoes are officially free agents and they can win more championships in other companies. Nice, nice. nice. The Briscoes still... I think they're still a, a huge asset to wherever they end up. I, I'm very, very excited to see what the Briscoes do. I can see them showing up on AEW Dynamite once or twice for sure. Yep. Yeah, I, I can say I, I can see them honestly being journeymen. I don't think they're going to sign long term anywhere. I can honestly see them being journeymen. Yeah, that seems like their it seems like their uh, destiny for the rest of their careers. Yep, and hey, we might even see them at Destiny. You never know. <laughs> Ew. 
Ayo. All right, match number four, my match. Okay, so the previous match, I would only, I would Mendoza line this one, too short, a lot of schmozzes, eh, two and a half, handshakes out of five. Match number four, my match of the night, Brody King, Jonathan Gresham. Wow, size matchup there. The humongous Brody King versus the new Taz, short, sawed-off Jonathan Gresham. Dude, and he wrestled like Taz in this match. It was a fun, fun, fun match. Gresham won at 10 minutes, 51 seconds. Fantastic match. Four handshakes out of five. Oh, wow. 80%. Uh, handshake percentage out there. Yeah, Jonathan Gresham wins. That's awesome. Yeah, and, and so this was a number one contender match, correct? Yep. For and the ROH unofficially, title? it was. Um, and yeah, after the match, Gresham calls out Bandito. <sighs> match number five for the ROH World Tag Team Championship. <laughs> <laughs> La Facción Ingobernable, Dragon Lee and Kenny King with... Bestia del Ring versus the OGK. And we had a tag team title switch here, Boris, I yes. believe. Correct 12, me if I'm wrong. At 12 minutes, Matt Taven and Mike Bennett become the new ROH World Tag Team Champions. Oh, what do you know? Your favorite act in all of Ring of Honor. Yep. <laughs> it was an entertaining match. And you know what? I got to say. Matt Taven, Mike Bennett, long-term, long-standing ROH guys. It was kind of cool to see them win, especially Matt Taven get another belt. But now, at final battle, they're going to be facing the Briscoes. Yeah, ooh, if you that'll recall, be interesting. If you recall, they beat the Briscoes to start this impressive run. So I wonder if uh, the Briscoes are going to win at the same time. I, you know, I Honestly, I'm interested interested to see this match because who do you give the belts to as ROH goes to become an indie fed do you give it to the Briscoes are they going to become the tag team belt collectors or are you going to kind of say thank you to the original kingdom Matt Taven Mike Bennett and give them the belts it is actually kind of intriguing I do think the Briscoes will win I think they have to be the quote final ring of honor tag team champions I think that makes the most sense but yeah you're right they could they could easily keep it on the OGK Yep. All right, match number six, main event, non-title match, Demonic Flamita versus Bandito in a no-DQ match. EC3 joined the commentary desk. This match was great. I love this match. I would have to give this match also four handshakes out of five. Not as good as a Gresham Brody King match. This one was a lot of fun. Bandito won 13-31 with a bridged German suplex on Flamita. After the match, EC3 says that he will take the ROH world title into the new world and newly imagined ROH. So there you go, EC3 versus your champion, whether it be Gresham or Bandito, at Christmas. At the Christmas chaos or whatever they're calling it. Very interesting. So, uh... So, yeah, we'll quickly go through the final Battle 2021 card. This is going to air December 11th. 2021 we have a grudge match and six title matches announced so far so the grudge match kenny king versus shane taylor uh then we have for the ring of honor world tag team titles as we touched on ogk versus the briscoe brothers for the pure title number one bam draft pick josh woods versus hot sauce tracy williams 
For the six-man ROH title, it's Shane Taylor Promotions, long-standing six-man champions, versus a team to be announced that hasn't been uh, made official yet. For the world television title, we have Dragon Lee defending against EC3. Wouldn't shock me to see EC3 win that match and try to unify the titles at uh, the Christmas show. That would be interesting because they don't really need a television title if they don't have television, Boris. Fact. <laughs> <laughs> Bandito versus Jonathan Gresham for the ROH world title. Uh, I think that's going to be Jonathan Gresham's uh, hour. I think he's going to win the title there. And Roxy versus Willow Nightingale, the real main event for the ROH women's title, Boris. I, I hope Roxy has another great performance there. She's really been a revelation in the past year of Ring yep. of Honor. Exactly. Exactly. Um, shall we talk? about some New Japan Pro Wrestling, because last weekend, at the same time as Full Gear, there was a New Japan pay-per-view, Battle in the Valley. Yeah, I actually didn't get around to seeing it, but I, I did see the big news coming out of it, which is A, uh, Okada and Buddy Murphy had a pretty good match, and B, Jonah has arrived, Boris, to New Japan. Yep, Jonah has arrived, and he's a monster. All right, so... There's a couple. I'm not going to go through the entire card, but there's a couple standout matches that I really want to call out. The opening match: Josh Alexander versus Yuya Yamura. Dude, holy shit! You have to watch this match. Yeah, I heard. I it was like a not, not a squash, but like a solid showcase for Josh Alexander, who's an awesome ass-kicking bully type when he gets that chance in the ring. So yeah, I'll definitely check this one out. Yep, Josh Alexander ended up winning with. Uh, the grapevine at 11 minutes 44 seconds dude this match i might have to give this one four 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 new japan strongs out of five four filthy toms out of five four filthy toms yep nice nice man well that's a a great match here at BAM. I'll definitely check it out. Getting the getting the high Boris recommendation. Uh, yeah, man, we love us some Josh Alexander around here. Good yep. Canadian lad. The other match I want to call out was the third match of the night. That's Team Filthy, which was the strong openweight champion Tom Lawler and Danny Limelight and J.R. Kratos and Royce Isaacs and Jarrell Nelson versus Rocky Romero, Fred Rosser, Alex Zane, Alex Coughlin, and David Finley. Yeah, on the uh, on the Brian and Vinny show, they said that this was their favorite match as well. So yeah, I, I definitely was gonna check this out. Haven't had a chance to yet. Wild ten man tag. It was a wild. It was honestly this. You know, we 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 talk about overbooking, and sometimes uh, you know we crap on overbooking. But this match was as overbooked and crazy as it was. Ten man tags, pandemonium. It was a lot of fun. Um, Fred Rosser, Rocky Romero, Alex Zane, Alex Coughlin, David Finley won in 15 minutes. I'm going to have to give this one three and a half. Battle in the Valleys out of five. Nice. Oh, so a 70% percentage. So you did think the opener, the, or was it the opener, the Josh Alexander? Yeah. That, you did think that was the best match on the show, eh? No, I didn't. I didn't. Oh. I didn't. Uh, the other match that I want to call out was an okay match, but, 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 actually, I shouldn't say okay. It was fantastic. This guy doesn't get enough credit, and that's Juice Robinson. Juice? Oh, is this, was this the Juice v. Moose, Boris? Juice, Moose match. Some good old Moose juice. <laughs> 
Uh, juice versus moose. One man must loose. Boris. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Moose won at almost 15 minutes. It didn't get the exact time. Um, and Matthew, I'm going to have to give this four holy shits out of five. Because I can't believe I four. rated a moose match this high. <laughs> four antlers out of five. Yep. Good match, he's honestly. Because Yes, yes, exactly, because he's a boost. <laughs> no, this is a great I, uh, match. This was a great match, but honestly, like, man, Juice Robinson has some freaking classics, and this one was one of them. Juice Robinson, you remember when he was C.J. Parker, the most yes. hated NXT wrestler? He Until, has come a long way. You mean Brian Daniel before that gimmick happened? Yeah, exactly, yeah. There is no planet B, Boris. Yep. <laughs> I love that character so much. Yeah, same. I like I, anytime Brian Danielson gets to do any heel work, he's great at it. Yeah. All right. And then the last match I want to call out was the match that I had zero interest in watching. That's Buddy Matthews versus Kazushka Okada. Non-title match, clearly. Um, I'm going to have to give this one four and a half New Japans out of five. Four and a half. Four and a half. An all-time classic match between Okada and Buddy Matthews? Yep. <laughs> Look, Buddy Matthews is a great wrestler. I've seen him wrestle live and having one of, actually, my favorite Buddy Matthews match was him versus Ricochet in Mississauga, NXT House Show, Ricochet's first match on WWE. Remember remember that guy, Ricochet? No, I have vague memories, yes. <laughs> That like, like I've seen him have some amazing matches, but this match was just I thought that the styles were gonna clash. They did not. It just works so well. This match was so freaking good. So freaking nice. good. So freaking good. Um the ending the the last little bit was fantastic. Like they 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 had some good back and forth and moving into the Rainmaker. Dude, you have to watch this match. Four and a half. That's that's that is large, my friend. That is a that is a meaty rating. So I'll I'll, I'll definitely check it out. But uh, yeah, I hey hey, I'm glad I'm glad you liked it, man. And uh, yeah, Buddy Murphy is good. He's really really good. Yep. And then of note, Jay White, Tomohiro Ishii, Tomohiro Ishii is your new open weight, never open weight champion at 28 minutes. Too long of a no. match. Too long of a match. But it was your classic New Japan main event. So I'm going to have to get that one three and a half ugs out of five. <laughs> we might need to revisit this rating system. But uh, all right, very good, man. No, it was a good match, but it was just too long. Like, it, like, yeah. like you know, it was, but, but it was good. It was just too long. 28 minutes. Like 28 minutes. Yeah, way, way too damn long for sure. And, and I'm pretty sure three and a half is, is is giving it more than it should. I would probably now thinking about it more give it three because of the length. But it was a good match, and it's Ishii. Nice. It's Ishii. Yeah, yeah, man, he was so good. Even on Dynamite on Wednesday, so entertaining. Tomohiro Ishii. Yeah, he he seemed a little fish out of water at the very beginning, but then he quickly turned it on. Nice. Yeah, that's that, that's good. Yeah, it seems it's yeah, he seems in front of American crowds like it takes him a second, but they do they they figure each other out pretty pretty often, so. Yep. All right. 
that's New Japan, New Japan chatter, and like we said, the big news was Jonah showing up. The other big news was Will Ospreay challenging the winner of Shingo versus Okada. So that match is going to happen on night two. It's going to be Will Ospreay versus the winner of the night one match. But what's interesting is that there is a third night to Wrestle Kingdom on January the 8th. So who knows what's going to happen on that show? Yeah, it's it is. It, they haven't announced the third night's main event yet. I wonder if it's going to be. Yeah, it's very interesting to see how they're going to play that. I wonder if they feature Shibata. Uh, he seems like Cassiora Shibata is going to make a return to the ring. I wonder if he wrestles once, if he possibly is booked on multiple shows. It'll be very interesting to see what the hook for all three of these shows will be. Yep, three nights. That, that To me, that's just crazy. But sure, let's do it. Why not? Might as well. Um, New Japan right now is on a really hot streak. By far the hottest that they've been since uh, the elite left, dare I say. Yeah. Oh, I think that's fair. That's fair. Yeah, certainly. Certainly. All right. So, Matt, want to talk some AEW? Yeah, man, absolutely. I kind of feel like you stole my thunder on the on the rating here because I was going to drop a, a four and a half bomb, and now that uh, it's been you know there's been that bomb has already been dropped on the podcast. But I thought there were some awesome matches on this show. I thought that uh, the estimation that eight out of nine were uh, four stars. I think that's too strong. I think we'll get into it. But uh, yeah, buddy. Overall, what did you feel about the AEW Full Gear program? I thought it was great. I thought it was a very entertaining show. Um, no time wasted wrestling, and that's what I love seeing out of a pay-per-view match. Match concludes, match starts, match concludes, match starts. That's what a pay-per-view should be. You're paying to watch this shit. I better be watching some wrestling and not some commercials, not some backstage promos, not some episode of Raw, not recaps. Let's get to the match. That's why I like the pacing was fantastic. The match placement was interesting because I felt that the beginning was really strong. And I'm not going to say it hit a lull, because if you look at each match, and if each match happened on its own, they were all fantastic. But just because when you have nine matches and nine matches, every one of those nine matches, almost every one of those nine matches could main event the card, you know, it's hard. It's hard, right? So the match placement was a little interesting, but yeah, you know what? That lull kind of, it was still great. It wasn't bad, but you know. It, 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 there was a lull in the show, and then the last two or three matches, I think two matches, were just awesome. Uh, the one match I just didn't really have time for was the Inner Circle uh, match, but uh, yeah, overall, I thought the show was fantastic. Um, the obvious, now obvious, you know, we talked about this, Hangman Page, you know, a lot of people wanted to always say that he should have won the belt against Jericho way back when. But no, you needed a, a, an already-made star. It gave Hangman Page time to to build up into this moment. They gave him this moment, and I loved seeing that. You know, this is what the Josh Alexander thing on Impact should have been. That's all. I'm yeah, saying. yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, they didn't they didn't cop out. They didn't steal his moment from him for heat. Or whatever, they actually gave the people what they wanted. It gave a proper ending to this story. 
So yeah, we'll we'll talk about that in detail. So yeah, start with the pre-show match: Hikaru Shida and Thunder Rosa versus Jamie Hayter and Nyla Rose. I think this is the worst match on the show, but it was still you know slightly above average. It was a pre-show tag, Boris. But I am intrigued that Serena Deeb is hanging around Hikaru Shida. Seems like we're getting a gimmick match there. I'm guessing two out of three falls, maybe Iron Woman. We shall see. Yeah, something's going on. I'm liking that uh, that pairing, that story, even on Dynamite, like how deep uh, kind of interfered. But, uh, you know, question, Matt, and, uh, I've been wanting to ask you this, but uh, since it happened, um, when someone interferes, when a heel interferes in a face match, shouldn't that be the end of the match technically? Well, did the referee see it, Boris? I don't know. Of course it should be. Yeah, of course. Could you imagine somebody jumping in the cage in UFC and hitting someone? It would be the end of the promotion. No, but the ref didn't see it when Serena Deeb got interfered. But shouldn't that cause Sheeta the win? Like, then where's the heat? You know, your, your, your attack, you couldn't properly Nancy Kerrigan someone, Tanya Hardy someone, <laughs> you know? Uh, I think, yeah, I think they made up for it on the uh, on the next show. But, uh, yeah, no, I agree I agree with you. That's that's a good point. Yeah, she is a, a, a 0 out of 10 on the Kerrigan scale. Where's your lead pipe? <laughs> Jesus Christ. <sighs> but, uh, yeah, so I, I don't know. I would still call it slightly above average, all things considered. We went three stars, three Nyla Roses out of five. It is a, a 60% uh, full gear percentage on this one. Yep, that's right. about right. By, so the thing that started the pay-per-view was the best thing on the pay-per-view best match on the show one of the best matches in aew history absolutely loved it thought it was a classic definitely stole the show in my opinion darby allen versus mjf right from the get-go it was great i liked every moment of this i love the story that they were telling this is just one that you have to go back and watch i thought it was an even better version of the awesome mjf jungle boy match from like a year or two ago it was really really great it wasn't quite as good in my opinion as mjf versus sammy guevara from the final Daily Place show, uh, the farewell to Daily's Place, I think that's the best MJF match. This is now the number two MJF match ever, in my opinion. I thought this was amazing. This is the all-time classic. This is the best thing that we're talking about on the pay-per-view, on the entire podcast. This was four and a half. Tony Khan's out of five. 90% Jacksonville Jaguar percentage. You thought this match really stole the show, huh? I thought it was far and away the best thing on the show. I thought it was noticeably better than anything else on the show, yes. Interesting. Interesting. I don't agree, but interesting. I thought it was so good. If you haven't caught this one, I promise you, go back and watch it, even if you did catch it. It is a classic. Best wrestling match on the show. So uh, next up we had, for the AEW Tag Team Titles, FTR versus the Lucha Brothers. I actually think they had a match on Dynamite that I liked more than this one. Yep. I thought it was a it was a good match, clever finish on paper, but it did not come across well at all. Where uh, FTR tried to pull the the killer bees trick, but they ended up tripping on their own feet and getting screwed by their own hoisted by their own petard divorce, as it were. So uh, yeah, this I I wouldn't call it great, but I would still call it very good. Uh, one problem on this show is that everything except for the first match went a little too long for my taste, probably like every single match. Actually, no, not every single one, except for the first and CM Punk, Eddie Kingston. Anyway, so this match went too long, uh, but still very good. So we're going to go three and three quarter cons out of five. It's a 75% wrath of con percentage. Yep. Yeah. Agree with you there. 
Next up, I thought if we were given uh, medals, this was the bronze medal match. This was the third best match on the show. Brian Danielson versus Miro, the AEW World Title Eliminator Tournament Final. Daniel Bryan, Brian Danielson becomes the first man to escape Miro's camel clutch, but they kind of explained it away because Miro couldn't quite plant because his leg was hurt and Brian Danielson was chopping it down. So I love the story they were telling, big man versus little man. This is a very good match. Brian Danielson, it's impossible for him to have a bad wrestling match great match worthy end to the tournament and the last thing brian danielson did as a baby face in aew yeah man the run that brian danielson's having in wrestling in 2021 is unreal absolutely freaking real especially now that i'm like you know taking notes and like really thinking about the year-end awards both for slam and snme um you know i it's gonna be hard for me not Spoiler alert, not to give it to Brian Daniel Sin. Daniel I, Bryan. Yeah, I Yes, Daniel Bryanson. I'm right <laughs> yeah. I'm right there with you, buddy. So we're gonna go four cons out of five for the tournament finale. That is a eighty percent Mark Brunel percentage, buddy. Yep. Uh great match. Third best one on the show. Next match, this was the joke that went too long. It went so long it became funny again. It was the joke that that you know that you told and told and told. Street fight. No, sorry, Falls Count Anywhere, Christian and Jurassic Express versus the super click of Adam Cole, Matt Jackson, and Nick Jackson. If you want to say that this match sucked and you hated it, I understand. If you want to say this was a five-star match and one of the best things you've ever seen, they packed enough action into it that I would also understand that. But the thing is, just because they do more stuff doesn't mean that it's a better match. Uh, we've got to the point now where the thumbtacks in the mouth spot, Boris, has become cliche. That's that's idiotic. That's uh, it's way too brutal a thing to become cliche. Um, way too long, way too much shit packed into it. Needless risks and and terrible bumps that were forgotten before this match even ended. But at the same token, a spectacular, spectacular stunt fest. What did you think about this one? This match, I agree with everything you said um the thumbtacks in the mouth is overdone at this point uh tons of spots but it was fun it was a fun match you know yeah i struggle sometimes like you know with it's and this is like me watching wrestling for over 30 years versus me just wanting to be entertained right um i honestly really enjoyed this match i'm a fan of the Bucks, believe it or not. Huge fan of the Bucks. Huge fan of Adam Cole. Love Jurassic Express. This match on paper was just something, you know, that I was really looking forward to. Uh, you know, and it delivered at the end of the day. And, you know, the MVP of this match was Christian. Holy crap. The stuff he was doing at that age. You know, just all things considered. How his body is. Just insane. Like, that man... Again, if there's a story, if there's a comeback of the year award for 2021, how can it not go to him? Comeback player of the year, Christian Cage. I really like where your head's at on that one. Yeah, so yeah, 22 minutes and 35 seconds this one went, though. So way, way too long. Yep. But it was still, you know, you still, I don't think I could be a wrestling fan with a beating heart inside of my chest and say this wasn't great. So we're going to go four cons out of five, Boris. It's an 80% A-, minus, but it's still an 80% Trevor Lawrence percentage on this one. <laughs> okay. 
<laughs> All right. Uh, next up, we had my least favorite match on the pay-per-view. I think it was probably better than the pre-show, but also like way too long. Didn't quite have a good story. Just like a little masturbatory for me is the word I'm going to use. Cody Rhodes and the Bastard Pock versus Andrade El Idolo and Malachi Black. Um, worst match on the pay-per-view. Still, if you consider every wrestling match you've ever seen, still probably above average. Yeah. Yeah, um, I have a lot of issues with some of the players in this match. Uh, I, I believe you used the right term for this match. I believe that this match easily could have been on Dynamite rather than a pay-per-view. If there was one match that you could cut, it would be this match. Uh, but, you know, it was still entertaining for what it was. But I don't think that it was pay-per-view material per se for story, for you know, a lot of stuff, but it was entertaining. Don't, don't, you know, it still was entertaining. Yeah. Like look at these names, Cody Rhodes, Pac, Malachi Black, Andrade El Idolo. They're all really good wrestlers. You know who would have made this match that much better? What? Who? Santos Escobar. (laughs) Ah, let's, let's not litigate that here. Uh, but yes, yeah. Santos couldn't have hurt. Probably could not have hurt. Um, yeah, anyway, yeah, just too long, but it was pretty good. So we're going to go three cons out of five, 60% Travis Etienne percentage on this one. Uh, this feels like this, it could have been a good place for Ric Flair to come in. Like, I wonder if, you know, I wonder had it not been for that dark side episode, if Ric Flair would not already be in AEW. Yeah. Um, maybe, I don't know, man. Ric Flair is something right now like seeing i've been offline a lot this week but every time i log on all i see is something rick flair saying something else yeah he's like in a twitter beef with becky lynch now of all people which is just just a humongous waste of everyone's time yeah i'm definitely at the point where i'm kind of feeling bad for rick flair more than anything yeah i guess i don't know i i guess he's done it to himself yeah you're right uh, next up, we had for the AEW women's title, Dr. Britt Baker, DMD versus Ty Conti. I thought this was pretty good, but man, of all the matches that went too long, this one might have went to the longest. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it went four or five minutes too long, arguably after it went four or five minutes too long. Like, this went over 15 minutes, and they easily could have gotten it done in under 10, and I think it would have been significantly better. Yeah, so this is the match where I'm like, oh my god, AEW, please don't fall into the New Japan trap of all these long-ass matches for the sake of being long-ass pay-per-view matches. And they kind of did. Yeah. They kind of did fall into that trap. But now so- I'm, I'm hoping that they take, you know, when they do their lessons learned, um, you know, their roundtable or whatever it is that they do, I hope that that's something that does get discussed because, like, not every match needs to be so freaking long. You can tell a great, compelling story in 10 minutes. And we'll get to that in just a split second, buddy. But yeah, I know, um, I know. Sorry I, for, yeah. for, for stealing the thunder again. No for worries. Your, no, thank- your WCW <laughs> Thursday Night Thunder. <laughs> thank you for making the point, buddy. I don't, uh, I, uh, I, I ain't mad at you at all. See, I, I did think this was good. I would say it was, it was, there's a universe where this was a great match, but they didn't quite hit the mark here. So I'm going to give them a B, solid B, three and a half. Uh, Tony Khan's out of five. It's a 70 percent. I I don't know. Maurice Jones drew percentage Boris. That's what it is. And uh, man. Yeah. Just like I I wish 
I, I just wish they had somebody to go, okay, guys, like, let's just tone it down a little. Like, just a little bit. Just not everything needs to be a WrestleMania main event. You don't need to kick out a three finishers in every match. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, that. that's, that's you know, I'm not, I'm trying to word this in such a way that I'm not trying to be negative about it. But, you know, it's just like, yeah, not every match needs, to, like, needs, needs, needs that, like, insane length. Not every match needs that like modern in, or that issue in modern professional wrestling where everyone kicks out of everyone's finishers. There's certain things that just you know you, you don't need to do in every single match because you know one or two pay per views down the line. If this keeps happening, I'm not gonna be watching stuff live just because it's like I know you know four hours is a long freaking time on a Saturday for me. I agree, man. Yeah, I agree. The Saturday night versus Sunday night actually kind of hurts. It kind of makes me want to see the pay-per-view a little less. Like it is, it makes it feel way more missable for whatever reason. I do agree with that. Um, All right. Next up, we had the second best match on the night. The silver medalist. Fuck yes, buddy. CM Punk versus Eddie Kingston. This was a war. This was exactly what I wanted. I wanted a little more out of the ending, maybe, but give me brevity. Brevity is the soul of this professional wrestling at this point. 11 minutes, and they told the story. They did exactly what they needed. They left us wanting more. Great. Fine. Perfect. Perfect. So I love this match, man. I was glued to the TV the entire time. You know, I'm not trying to compare this to WWE. I'm not trying to shit talk WWE, but hear me out for a second. This match was literally a two-show buildup. Yeah, you know, absolutely. But but it's all they needed. But that's 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 the thing, right? Like I understand that it, you know a lot of oftentimes you don't have two wrestlers with 20-year history with a solid story built into to their history where you can take that match into a pay-per-view and make it compelling for the viewers. But they had a two-show buildup. To me, that was the most interesting and compelling part leading up into this match. More than anything they were actually saying. More than the awesome promos, right? It just goes to show you that, hey, it is possible to have short buildups. Yeah, man. And and to be super-duper effective in doing it. Um, So, yeah, the only minor issue I feel like is after this buildup... After this match, if they're trying to turn Eddie Kingston heel soon, what soulless fucking monster could ever boo this man? He's like the underdog scrappy champion of the streets. He is essentially a larger Daniel Bryan, Bryan Danielson, Danielson Bryanson. You know, like it's, <laughs> it's, 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 they have this, this, there's so many parallels in their story, right? Um, like, it's especially after that that article from the uh, what's it called the Players Tribune, was it was it yeah. from there? Yeah. yeah. Um, like how can you not like this guy? How can you not want to love this guy? How can you not be on his side? It's crazy. Nah. It's like no, you cannot turn him heel anytime soon again. Definitely not. Definitely, the fans want to love this guy. I want to love this guy, and they will regardless of if they turn him heel. Cheer yeah. him. 
for a long time. Yep. So yeah, I thought this was the second best match on the show. We're going to go as high as four and a quarter cons out of five for this one. It is, yeah, it is an 85%. It's a solid A. Watch this match. It only went 11 minutes even. Absolutely a, a beautiful, digestible fight. Just an awesome pro wrestling uh, presentation. Yep. Yes, sir, Bob. Next up, Boris, Minneapolis street fight. We had Andre Arlovsky and Junior Dos Santos and Dan Lambert, along with Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky versus the inner circle of Chris Jericho, Jake Hager, Ortiz, Santana, and Sammy Guevara. Couple things. Couple things. Number one, we can rate this match out of Nick Cons because this match could have been cut from the show. <laughs> I love it. Number two, men of the year deserve so much more. Yeah, well, I don't. Uh, that's that's interesting. I think they're in a pretty good spot. I think they're getting uh, featured. Like they were in featured. the main of this show. They're being featured, but they were second fiddle, you know, to to the MMA guys, and well, and, and they carried the match. Yeah, you're right. But well, if they carried the match, were they second fiddle? I don't know. Uh, on the optics, the presentation of it, yes, they were second fiddle. The match was yeah, mainly the right. MMA guys shit-talking on wrestling, and they just so happened to be part of their team. From a storyline point of view, they were second fiddle. But from a from a work rate point of view, they carried the match. Yeah, no, I think you're right. That's fair. I can't, uh, I can't argue that. I think it's still a good position to be in, though. I don't think that's career suicide or anything you know i think they're i think that's a pretty good spot in the wrestling business yeah maybe i don't i just i just expect i just want them to be contending i want them in more meaning like i i'm not explaining myself properly because i know that this one this match was one of the featured matches per se but i just feel like they they can be used better than this yeah no that's fair you kind of feel like they're the lackeys of this team and they deserve more to be lackeys yeah exactly that's fair, man. So I, I think if you look at the 10 names that we read, you could not ask for a better match. You could not ask for any more out of these 10 human beings on November, whatever it was, November 16th, 2021 or whatever. Yeah, there you go. Um, yeah, you couldn't ask for more. So I would go as high as three uh, Nick cons out of five, 60% future endeavor percentage. Sammy Guevara's suicide wish is my favorite running gimmick in all of AEW. Every Man. match he tries to die. Yeah. Sammy Guevara, I think, you know, people keep talking about breakout stars of 2022, you know, names like Josh Woods, Dak Draper show up, but I honestly think now that it's going to be Sammy Guevara. It might be, man, honestly. I, I think he might be the breakout performer of the second half of 2021. We might, we might be watching this I think breakout since right that now. MJF match, it's just, he's yeah. been on fire. He's been muy caliente, as they say. Absolutely, man. Yeah, he's definitely a highlight. I look forward to his matches every week, and he's made eventing shows deservedly so. So, yeah, Sammy Guevara has been a success story for he's sure. He's made eventing shows without having Jericho on his corner. Like, he's doing it on his own. He's carrying it on his own, right? Like, yeah. you know, you also have to remember, not everyone watching Dynamite knows who this Jay Lethal guy is. Exactly right. Oh, yeah. I, I would think a good chunk do, but some don't, for sure. Of so, course. Yeah, I, I definitely I definitely think, like, Sammy Guevara is doing awesome work. Yeah. But, yeah, like, his yeah his suicide death, which is, you know, he's channeling his inner, his inner uh, Willow, his inner Jeff Hardy, for sure. Every single match now. It's crazy. 
Yeah, absolutely. He's definitely like trying to die. Suicide wish. So then we had our main event, Hangman Adam Page versus Kenny Omega for the AEW world title. The two-year odyssey concludes. So I was, I would think all things considered, this is a minor, a slight disappointment, but still a great wrestling match. So here's what I didn't like. This match went on at about 1135. And the fact is I was burnt out. I just was like, I, after that show where almost everything went a little too long, you're already deep into the third hour of pay-per-view. I think that that was, you know, it, it was a little bit of burnout more right. so than that. I think they really needed a proper five minute WWE video package, Boris. They needed to tell this was the WrestleMania main event, basically not WrestleMania in terms of a show, but in terms of a build, in terms of the two year story, they really needed like a five minute video package. Now they, they needed, did have, they needed the my ways video package. Yes. That was number one thing that they were missing. Um, that production note where we talk about our pillars of wrestling, that honestly got to me. Yes, man, I agree. And yes, they did have they did have him ride a white horse in front of an absolutely terrible, laughably bad green screen where deep in the background of that absolutely terrible, laughably bad green screen, there were like five second clips of like, oh, like he lost to Jericho. Oh, blah, blah, blah. And there were things happening like on video screens in the background of the green screen. But it's just like, you have to work really hard to even understand what this story was. Like if you didn't know coming into this show, you were not properly told that this is the most important and best story that AEW has ever delivered. They did not do enough to tell you that. So right off the bat, I think that was a major disappointment. I think the fact that the Young Bucks had to weasel themselves into this match and had to had to give the knowing nod on camera and Matt Jackson had to have another moment where he's conflicted on camera. I, I rolled my eyes. I didn't think that added anything at all. I thought that made it cheesy. I thought that kind of took away from this match, but still Boris, it was 25 minutes, Kenny Omega versus Hangman Page, and Adam Page actually wins that world title. You you had you know what I mean? Like like I said previously, how could I be a wrestling fan with a beating heart inside of my chest and say that this match wasn't great? Of course it was great, but there were they, I was disappointed with a couple things for sure. I love how passionate you get sometimes. <laughs> oh, thanks, buddy. No, but no, you know what? So the 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 Matt Jackson thing. I get why they wanted to add that. I really do. It was kind of putting the 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 the, the you know the the bookend to the Z to the A um, of of that story, right? They were trying, but I feel like they were trying to do too much. It didn't really bother me too much. Um, but I gotta say, knowing how injured Kenny Omega was, the fact that they went 25 minutes absolutely amazes me. No, insane. And Kenny Omega's been banged up. But yeah, yeah this, he's been this banged guy up is, for years. When, when Hangman Adam Page says, I think Kenny Omega is one of the greatest athletes in the history of the world. That's not that's not like all the way insane. That's not the most laughable thing. Kenny Omega is one of the best athletes in the history of wrestling. In the history of pro wrestling, mm-hmm. he's incredible. He is so incredible. And I, I don't like his promos. I don't like his character. I... I'm very, very vocal about that. But you have to be blind to think that he sucks at wrestling. He is so, so incredible in that ring. So good. 100%, man. This match overall told a great story within the match. There were things, like we said, that didn't need to be there. 
But overall, this match was great. This match had fun. Um, I was entertained. Like, I honestly, I, I watched this Sunday morning. Um, and, yeah, I, like, I agree with a lot of what you were saying. Uh, but, you know, the culmination of AEW's history happened right here. And you had that childhood dream. You had that Josh Alexander HBK moment. And I thought it was fantastic for AEW to tell a full story and have their first legitimate homegrown wrestler win that title. Yeah, I could not agree with you more there. So, like, you couldn't... Uh, you couldn't call it bad. It was still great, man. It was still great. But uh, there were nits to pick, and I feel like I picked them. So we're going to go four Tony Khans out of five for this one. It is still an A, but it's an A-. And you know what? I think it's going to it's gonna contend for a spot on our top 121 of 2021. But I can't even promise it's going to make the list. I'm not even sure it was one of the best 121 wrestling matches this year. Yeah. That list, oh man, there's there's that list is getting so interesting. I honestly cannot wait for that show. It's going to be fun. It's going to be a ton of fun. I actually think we have so much we have so much to get through that we might be able to do a little something a little special about it. We might be able to throw a couple a uh, couple curveballs at you. We'll talk about it. We'll figure it out. Yep, exactly. Um yeah. Back to this match. This match was great. Overall our, our this show, like we said, Ton of fun, couple kinks that uh, AEW still need to figure out in terms of production. I want to see more story build up videos packages. Um, you know, I don't think that every match needs to be an insane amount of time, but these are the nittiest nitpicks of the nittiest nitpicks, the ficklest of the fickles yeah. we're talking about here. Exactly. We don't even need every single match to get like a a, a five minute video package. But I, I, Hangman Page versus Kenny Omega desperately needed, like you said, the My Way Stone Cold versus The Rock epic video. They needed something like that to be attached to this feud. Yep. If they really wanted to tell the story, they really wanted to take care. They really wanted to dot the I's and cross the T's there, Boris. Yep. I think that was a huge miss, my yep. opinion. Just my exactly. opinion. Exactly, 100%. I 100% agree with you. Um, so, yeah, it's just like, but this show was just so fun, so good. Matt, final thoughts on the show. Yeah, just like I I left a satisfied consumer. I would buy an AEW pay-per-view again and again. I hope to see their buy rate grow. And I'm obviously, I'm cheering for this group. I, I love that they exist. Uh, and it's not without its problems. It's not without its issues. But at the end of the day, it's wrestling by wrestlers for wrestling fans. And that is just that's just beautiful. It's just what you want. You, you When you watch stand up comedy, you want people who know and love stand up to be producing it. When you watch a TV show, you want people who know and love that medium to be producing it. It's the same thing here, man. And we're getting it. And we're lucky and we should appreciate it. Yeah. Well, this episode for sure was more bam for your buck. We went extra. We wanted to give our listeners extra just because we were so late on this episode. Again, I do apologize. Um, but this week has honestly been an absolute shit show. Um, but, you know, we'll be back to our regular schedule next week. I am off starting now. So, you know, hey. I have time. I now have time to record. So, All Elite Weekly is already up on your feed, patrons. Tomorrow, you're going to get two shows. You're going to get your Smack Daddies talking all things SmackDown. I'm sure that they're also going to be talking about the releases and about the buildup. 
or lack thereof, to Survivor Series. Can't believe it's this weekend. You know, Matt, Survivor Series used to be my favorite show of the year. I just love that format. Love the fact that it landed on my birthday back in the day when it was, you know, midweek. Sometimes it still lands on my birthday, but more, like, you know, less often. Um, and yeah, I just can't believe that this show is now laughing stock like the rest of the company. Uh, also, Rampage review from Dark Side of the Elite. Rampage rollout. Their first episode coming to you some point on Saturday. And then on Sunday, you're going to get a preview episode to Survivor Series. And don't forget, as patrons, you're going to be getting the link to the Zoom meeting. Only patrons can chat, talk, and give feedback back live. But everyone will be able to listen. So that's going to be a lot of fun. That's for the Survivor Series after party. Um, And yeah, and then we're back to the rotation next week. Yes, sir. Yeah, and you know, definitely, I think it's going to be a good after party, and it should be available on uh, on other uh, channels as well. You should be able to check it out on YouTube. If you're not a patron, you won't be able to participate, but you'll be able to watch and have some fun with it as well. So, if yeah, for anyone listening out there, you can catch that. And uh, yeah, thank you for listening. And we'll be back next week with NXT. As long as that show is not canceled, we're here, Boris. Yeah, we'll see about that. <laughs> He's Matt. I'm Boris. This is Bam. Goodbye. You can't make me watch NWA. I refuse. Yeah, yeah, yeah.